Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Lake Mount Young Adults Podcast. We are the Young Adults Ministry of Lake Mount Worship Center, and we are on a mission to connect young adults to the life-changing presence of Jesus Christ. We meet every Monday night at 7 p.m., and we'd love to have you join us. You can find more information on our socials, but in the meantime, we hope you enjoy the message for this week. We're so glad we got people here from all over the region. Give me a shout if you're here from People's Church. Give me a shout if you're here from Bethel. Whoa. Give me a shout if you're here from Kingsview. Where's Glad Tidings? Lake Mount? Somewhere else? Where are you guys from? Church of God of Prophecy? Awesome. Glad you guys are with us. That's amazing. Is anyone up from somewhere else? What was it? Wellspring. Awesome. Yeah. From Welland? Wellspring and Welland? Burlington. Different Wellspring. <laughs> cool. Where are you from? Central. Who else is from Central? Anyone here from Central? Yeah. Awesome. Well, it's great to have all these different groups here. We're so glad. You know, the Bible says that where brothers and sisters dwell together in unity, God commands a blessing. It's just so good to come into an environment where we're here under one name, and it's the name of Jesus. And Jesus said that he will come and meet with us. We can feel his presence here. And it is such a great opportunity to be in the presence of the Lord in this moment to just take some time and get into the word of God. We have a special guest who's going to be bringing the word tonight. If you've not heard my friend Paul Fraser bring the word before, you're going to be blessed. Paul, he works with the National Office of the Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada and uh, is involved in seeing churches being planted across this country because we need lots of thriving churches in this nation. It's a passion of his, and he's a man of God, a man of the word, and uh, just all around a great guy, great friend. I'm going to ask you to give a great big regional welcome to Paul Fraser as he brings the word tonight. Bless you, buddy. Good evening, everyone. Is this on? Oh, hi. Good evening, everybody. Uh, great to be here. Flew in from Edmonton today. And uh, anyone, anyone have any relatives in Edmonton? A few of you. Okay. Yeah. Uh, there's no snow there. People think that, that we get snow like 24 months a year, but we don't. Uh, we, uh, it started to look like spring, but not 21 degrees like today. How many people were happy about the weather today? Yeah. Amazing. And, uh, trust you had a good Easter. I thought I'd do just a poll to see, uh, what, uh, what was the, the meal of choice for this Easter. So did anyone have turkey this Easter? Put up your hands. Okay. How about ham? Ham seems to be a pot. Whoa. How many people had turkey and ham? Ooh. Man, that, that's what we had, too. Uh, that's amazing. Uh, sometimes people think, because I'm from Alberta, all we eat is beef, but that is not true. Uh, we, will, we will eat the odd turkey and ham. And, uh, and uh, so lots of, lots of things in common across our nation, including we both, uh, both Alberta and Ontario, have a team that's going to the NHL playoffs. Anyone excited about that? 
I happen to cheer for the other team that is not going to the playoffs, the Calgary Flames, unfortunately. Everyone go, aw. None of you feel bad, I know. I just totally made you do that. Uh, but if there's any Ottawa Senator fans out there, you know, you know, we, yeah, thank you. Yeah, we, me and him, we're just amazing. Yeah, we obviously did not get the memo <laughs> on which team to cheer for. Uh, so great to be here. Uh, married, I've been married 28 years this August, I know. I got married when I was 12. And uh, why are you laughing? Uh, actually, married at 19, kids at 21. I would not suggest it. It's not, that's not, that's not using good wisdom. Uh, but uh, got, uh, my oldest is turning 26 and 24, 22, and 20. So we had uh, four kids very, very quickly. Well, I didn't. It's very important to say that because I don't want anyone to think that I had a major role to play in that. But anyways, uh, so... Uh, I just want you to know they're praying for us tonight. Uh, I love my family, but I love that we're all in this together. Uh, they, they, they know that when I travel and go around and speak, they know that this is part of the call, but then part of their call is to pray and support uh, me. And so I just want you to know they're praying for, for you tonight. So we've come out of this Easter weekend now on Easter Monday, and so we're at the part of the Easter story. If you follow in the scriptures, of course, Jesus is resurrected on Sunday, and now he starts appearing to his disciples, and we are just under 50 days from uh, Pentecost Sunday, and that's when, of course, the Holy Spirit shows up in Acts chapter 2. But before that, in Acts chapter 1, the Bible says he, uh, this isn't on the slides, uh, but but it is in the Bible. Uh, Acts 1, 3 to 5, it says, He presented himself alive after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking to them about the kingdom of God. Let me ask you a question real quickly. If you had 40 days to live, what would you do? Like from, from right now, and you knew that in 40, you know, in 40 days, you were not going to be here anymore. Chances are, what you probably would do is you would want to probably do the most important things with the most important people, right? Would that, would that be fair? You can blink or nod or say amen, do something to let me know you're alive. Uh, but you probably would do that. And I think Jesus did the same thing. And what you noticed what Jesus did is that after the resurrection, <clears throat> he was so committed to his mission that he still uh, he hung out with the disciples and he taught uh, the kingdom of God. It's incredibly important because this is, this is the final stretch of what he's going to do before he ascends into heaven. I can tell you, and he didn't spend it with his mom, I don't think. And, and if I died and was resurrected and I had 40 days to live and I didn't spend it with my mom, she'd kill me. Right? Like I, and Jesus, he went out and he spent, because he left his mission to the most important people, his disciples. And of course, he tells them in just a few days, uh, just wait, the Holy Spirit is going to come on the day of Pentecost. And some scholars believe at that, when Jesus was saying that in Acts, uh, just chapter 1, they think that there's about 500 people that heard him say that. But only 120 people stayed. Only 120 people tarried and waited and were filled with the, with the Spirit. And the church explodes that particular 
day. One sermon, 3,000 people uh, get saved. The great evangelist Leonard Ravenhill, is such a quotable communicator, said this, isn't it staggering when you think that one sermon on the day of Pentecost produced 3,000 people, and we had some cities yesterday where 3,000 sermons were preached and nobody was saved, and it doesn't even phase us. It's such an important day, the day of Pentecost. And and so we're just in that in-between time as we are coming out of our Easter season. And for me, uh, growing up in a Pentecostal church was a very significant part of my, of my upbringing. Uh, I, I always liked that as a young kid, that I got to be a part of a church that was named after that day. I grew, and maybe if you grew up Baptist, you loved John the Baptist, and, but you didn't eat bugs or wear camel hair clothing, but you're still very proud because you love water. So you get it. But I was a pastor's kid, and I wasn't a pastor's kid till, till grade nine when my dad got called into ministry. He was a steam engineer for Shell Canada, and the Lord spoke to my parents on two separate nights with the same dream, and they eventually worked up the courage to talk to one another and found out that the Lord had been speaking to them to pack up and move where they were and go to Bible college at 35 with three kids, or 32, three kids. So I grew up my whole life in the Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada. Maybe you've never heard of that before, but you're sitting in one of, uh, one of the churches right now. And maybe you attend one in, uh, that, that you go to. But I started a relationship attending one. I was baptized in water, baptized in the Holy Spirit in a POC camp. I got, I got called to ministry at a POC youth con- conference, confirmed again at a POC camp, went to a POC Bible college. I worked in a POC church. I worked at a district office, and now I work at international office. And I even have a tat. never mind. But <laughs> I, I, I know tonight that we all have different religious uh, backgrounds, perhaps. Maybe you grew up in, a, in another tradition, and that's totally fine. And if you did, you know this, especially in North America. If you grew up in a church movement, there's, there's some great things that you learn along the way that inspire you and challenge you and empower you. And then, of course, because we're humans and humans lead, there are some not-so-great things in church world as well. But as I reflect on my experience and how I grew up, there wouldn't be much I would change. And I know that's not everyone's story, but that was for me, and, and I was very, very grateful. One of the things I seem to have locked into at a very early age, and it actually became a goal for me as I grew up, was that I wanted to be an on-fire Christian. I mean, Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada, I already mentioned, was named after Acts 2 and the day of Pentecost. And when the Holy Spirit comes upon, the Bible says that they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on them. And then seeing what God did through them uh, made, it, made, me want, it made sense for me wanting to be an on-fire Christian. And seeing the church explode and the miracles and all the great stories that happened in the book of Acts I want what they had. I wanted to do what they did. And today, almost 2,000 years after the church being around, I think it's still something I want to be. Even reading the last 100 years of Azusa Street and seeing a move of God happening then and there, church movements birthed out of there and churches planted and missionaries sent and communities and families transformed. It was amazing. God send the fire again. Can I get an amen out there? But I bet if we went around the room, we'd probably get 
at least 50 different definitions of what that looks like or what it means to be on fire for Jesus. And I think probably most of us would agree that it's probably a, a combination of these things, a passion for Jesus, for worship, the word, and prayer, evangelism, witnessing, believing for miracles and healings, and signs and wonders, and having risk-taking faith, revival services, being empowered by, empowered by the Spirit, and, and missional living, and all really good and important things, and things that we should want for ourselves. I mean, who wouldn't want that? It's grandma an apple pie. Who wouldn't want those things? Who wouldn't want to be on fire for God if that's what it meant? I get the great privilege of traveling around to different churches all over the nation, and if that's the loose definition of what it means to be on fire, unfortunately, I don't see a lot of churches on fire these days. And I know Lake Mount gets it, and and the churches that you attend get it, And I'm grateful that there's a lot of churches in this area that get it. But if the church stats are true, which I think they are, they're right across Canada in in all kinds of denominations and networks. It's like 80% are plateaued or declining. In fact, in our POC family, it's only slightly been growing the last 25 years, and some probably could argue that we're in a plateau. And I'm not speaking about charismatic in style, but a deep, passion for God's presence, where Jesus is not, he's not just Savior, but he's Lord. And it's lived out 24-7, 365. Maybe you're like me and you try to figure out why. Why are we not doing it? There's probably lots of reasons we could debate. But I think one of them would be, at least for me growing up, that we sometimes think being on fire for God is when we're here. When we're in our corporate gatherings, when we're, you know, having great worship and and being together, that's what it means to be on fire. And hopefully we catch something and we take it with, with us. And yes, of course, God does that and will do that. He can do whatever he wants. And I've had incredible encounters with God at services just like this, in services and altars just like this, that God spoke to me and filled up the next 10 or 20 years of my life with just one word, one dream. Yes, of course, God can do that. But right across Canada, I see us doing services, holding gatherings, and God showing up, but it not translating it to fired up Christians the rest of the week. By the way, I think these are incredibly important for too many reasons to mention, but but if the only way to get on fire for God is here, or if God's fire was only reserved for our church services between Mondays 9, you know, 7 to 9, or Sundays 9 to 11, shouldn't there at least be more Christians on fire on Monday or Tuesday the next day that are passionate about the Great Commandment and passionate about the Great Commission? Because in our family, our POC family, we have 250,000 people that would call POC churches their homes and attend on a weekend. And we're not seeing that change. Jesus took 12 and he changed the globe. And again, what we do here is incredibly important. But what if we also had a deeply personal relationship with Jesus, the Father, and the Holy Spirit the rest of the week? And then Mondays and Sundays were just another opportunity to throw gas on a fire that has already been growing all week. Imagine that you've been stoking the fire of God in your life, your relationship with him, and then you can't wait to get here 
in a room of passionate followers who love Jesus. I wonder what would happen. But sometimes I think we come to things like this, like we fill up our cars once a week, and then we just run on gas all the But what happens if we could stoke that fire? What happens if we could fill our lives constantly? So how do we get on fire if this amazing worship team isn't leading us? Well, let's look at 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 6, and it's one of my favorite verses. It says, For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of hands. Maybe one reason we don't see as many on-fire Christians as we should is that we're expecting the fire of God to fix it all and keep us going strong. But at least in my experience and what I've noticed in 25-plus years of ministry, he doesn't always give us fire, but he does give us coals. And then we fan it into flame. And there's a responsibility for us in that. And I like this imagery of fanning into flame because everything starts, uh, everything starts with a relationship with Jesus, with that, that fire, but it can wane, and what started as a fire now is only coals. And like any relationship, young in love and dating, you need to, and in marriage, you need to work hard at keeping the fire going. In Revelation chapter 2, the Spirit is speaking to the church uh, in verse 4 and 5 says, but I have this against you, that you banded the love you had at first. Remember, therefore, where you have fallen, repent, and do the works you did at first. Maybe you're here tonight, and you're just going, I used to have an on-fire faith. I used to have a, a burning in my soul, in my heart, and it's just gone away. Maybe all you need to hear tonight is to go back and do the works you did at first. Remember when you were on fire and you knew Jesus and you loved him and you just were passionate? Go do those things you used to do. Simple things like read the Bible and pray and listen to worship and those things you did early on. So I've entitled the talk tonight, Care for the Coals. Care for the Coals. So God, I pray tonight that there would be a word that you would speak I'm hoping to everyone, but if there's just a few, God, that you would just speak so clearly to the heart, challenge them, call them back to that strong relationship they had with you. And God, for those that are already feeling that they're, they're, they're already so on fire for you, God, just, just, just breathe on them again tonight and just, just turn that campfire into an inferno in their lives. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said... So 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 6, the context when you read the Bible is always really important. And so it's important to understand Paul's relationship with Timothy was a spiritual father to a spiritual son. And this is traditionally thought to be Paul's last letter written. And how many of us know that last words are lasting words? Let me give you an example. What's more powerful, the first time you say, I love you, or the last time? So Paul, at the beginning of the chapter, is reminding Timothy of his great spiritual heritage. And so we know that Paul is not wasting his words. Now, there's some debate among theologians and commentaries that say, you know, what are we talking about when it talks about fan into flame the gift of God? And so some think Paul is referring to the gifts of the Spirit resident in Timothy, like the ones referenced in 1 Corinthians. Okay, maybe. Some think... 
Paul's context for this statement comes right out of a genuine faith that I found in your grandmother and your mother. And, and, and he's stating that this is about your salvation experience because salvation is re- referenced in the New Testament as a gift of God, maybe. But here's what I think that Paul is referencing. I think we need to look at this, this uh, one clue. Do you, did anyone grow up with Blue's Clues? Do you remember Blue's Clues? So, oh my, I am old. Whoa. Uh, you know, the paw print is right here, okay? This is where the paw print, a clue, a clue. Okay, it's the laying on of hands. And so the laying on of hands has lots of references in the Bible. In the Old Testament, laying on of hands was like an aggressive behavior, something like a fight. And I don't think that's what, I don't think Paul was picking a fight with Timothy, but at ball hockey, if I'm honest, uh, I sometimes want to Old Testament lay my hands on some of those guys, if you know what I mean. Yeah. But another reference was many were healed by the laying on of hands. Jesus healed mostly through laying on of hands and blessed people, but I'm not sure that's it either. But there are references to laying on of hands, receiving the Holy Spirit, and the commissioning of people for mission and ministry. And this is what I think Paul is talking about. To me, this is about the empowerment of the Spirit and Timothy's calling probably fits best with this passage. It's about grace, it's about calling, and power for Timothy, and that's the gift of God I think Paul is referring to. And so now we get this amazing privilege to jump into a letter that I don't think Paul thought we would be reading. Because as you read the the last little bit of of 2 Timothy, Paul says, uh, remember my parchments and I forgot my coat. Can you bring my coat when you come to see me? I don't think that he thought we would be reading it. But the Holy Spirit knew this letter that Paul was writing wasn't going to be just for Timothy. It was also going to be for us. Did you know that you're called... Did you know that? Did you know, meaning that you are a follower of Jesus and you have a calling, you have a mission, and it's not just for pastors and clergy? Uh, Matthew 28, 18 to 20, the, the, the great uh, commission. Therefore, Then Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples. That word go means as you go about your day. I know some of you are going on missions trips uh, coming up. And, uh, and that's a part of the go. But the go is actually every single day we're to make disciples. Of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. First Peter chapter 2, verse 9. So we have a commission. And First Peter says this, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession that that." you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. One of the things I think about, at least in church world, and and for sure for me growing up, that we think about when God calls us to something, we think that he's talking about a profession or a vocation. But I actually think this, that God always calls us to people not to professions or vocations. Does that make sense? So for example, I'm not called to be a pastor. I'm called to people through pastoring. 
Does that make sense? So you may be a nurse here. You're not called to be a nurse. You're called to people in the medical profession by being a nurse. You're not called to be a business leader. You're called to people in the business world because God's focus is always people. He's not just trying to set you up with the best, you know, retirement fund or, you know, so that you could have a great future financially. No, no, no. He's got a calling on you for people, not just profession. They're simply avenues to people. So I want you to understand that every single one of you has a calling. You're called because God has called you to people that I have no access to. God is calling you to people in your future that, that may, they may never come to the doors of your church, but they will have an interaction with the kingdom of God that is in you because you decided that you were called. But did you know, I'm going to take it a step further, that you also have a ministry. So not only are you called, you have a ministry, that you are a minister and a messenger. Now, don't, go, don't get mad at me. I didn't say it. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 17 to 19 says, says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone, and the new is here. And this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ. And look at this. And gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ. Not counting people's sins against them. And he's committed to us the message of reconciliation. So not only are every single one of you in this room called, you also have a ministry. And your ministry is a ministry of reconciliation. You have a message. And the message is of reconciliation. Reconciliation of what? Of people to God through Jesus. Every single one of you. I want you to lean into that. You're, some of you are in school or just early into your careers or well into your careers, and you're just going, I, I'm trying to figure out why I'm here. I'm telling you why you're here is people. There are people there that God loves so much. Maybe God prayed, you know, maybe God's got some, uh, the people that you work with, that there's someone praying for them that they would have an encounter with someone that knows Jesus and you happen to be that answer to the prayer. Did you know that? I want you to know every single interaction, whatever you're doing. I, well, I'm just at school. I'm not in, I'm not, I'm not, uh, you know, working it. doesn't matter. The people in your class, people on your sports team, wherever you're at in your neighborhood and in your apartment building, wherever you're at, God has called you there for a purpose. I want you to understand that. Folks, there's enough ministers in this room to see communities transformed by Jesus. Come on. The broken, campuses, totally one for Jesus. I could tell you stories of people in history that used to have uh, prayer meetings of 1,500 people on campuses. Come on. The broken healed, relationships and marriages restored, families reunited, the lost found, the lonely included, the depressed, worried and anxious now become joyful, peaceful and confident. That, that, that their, the captives are set free where sin abounds, guess what? Grace even more abounds and we get to bring light to the darkest parts of our cities. And what if we saw ourselves as, as ministers and disciple makers of the gospel. Folks, we have the greatest story ever told. We have the hope of the world in his name 
is Jesus. Imagine if we walked out of this room believing that we are called, we're on a mission, and we have a ministry. We would look at our workplaces tomorrow differently. We look at our neighborhoods differently. We look at our sports teams differently. And guess what? You'd see them how Jesus sees them. Imagine if we were fired up for Jesus like that. Is this microphone even on? Can I get an amen out there? This is not just for pastors. This is for all of us. I read a stat from the Underground Network in Tampa Bay. They uh, launched microchurches, and they, they, they discovered that an activated disciple, so someone who's actively on mission, is actively discipling 10 to 12 people. Imagine if you, if you became that where you're just like, you're just looking at, your, at all the people and all the interactions you have, that you, you could be discipling 10 to 12 people, then think about this. How long would it take to see multiplication? Disciples who make disciples who make disciples, do the math. It adds up quick. I, I, heard, <laughs> I heard someone did say recently a jest, but I kind of like it. They said this, we hear about everyone's fitness goals, but we never hear about their witness goals. <laughs> I think God is calling us all back to prayer in this season. Leonard Ravenhill said that no, no one is bigger than their prayer life. I found that very challenging as I reread that today. When I think back to times in my life that I was on fire for God, where I felt passionate about his mission and his call, it was always a result of a strong season and discipline of prayer. There's a connection there, isn't it? I mean, Jesus modeled it. It's right there in the book. There has to be a connection. I want to jump back to uh, uh, the book of Leviticus in chapter 6, verse 8 to 13. I know if you're doing a year reading plan in the Bible, Leviticus can be boring. But uh, this passage kind of gives us, I think, a bit of a prophetic picture of how important it is to keep the fire going. I remember Pastor Matt preached a message on this at an event at Encounter when you came out, and you preached a message on this particular passage. And i uh, going to read it for you, and it's Leviticus chapter 6, verse 8 to 13. And he's giving, Moses is, is giving uh, uh, instructions for the priests on how to, how to do things right as it related to offerings that they would give to the Lord. It says this, the Lord said to Moses, give Aaron and his sons this command. These are the regulations for the burnt offering. The burnt offering is to remain on the altar hearth through the night till the morning. And then it says this, and the fire must be kept burning on the altar. The priest shall then put on linen clothes and linen undergarments next to his body and shall remove the ashes of the burnt offering that the fire has been consumed on the altar and place them beside the altar. Then he's to take off these clothes and put on others and carry the ashes outside the camp to a place that's ceremonially clean. Look at this. The fire on the altar must be kept burning. It must not go out. Every morning the priest is add firewood and arrange the burnt offering on the fire and, keep, and burn the fat of the fellowship offerings on it. Look at this. The fire must be kept burning on the altar continuously. It must not go out. As I read earlier in the New Testament, we are the church referred to as the royal priesthood. And I love this idea. 
that the fire and the altar in our hearts must be kept burning. It must never go out. It needs our constant and continuous attention. I thought I'd get a bigger amen there. I'll give you another chance. It needs our constant and continuous attention. My dad, uh, when he went to Bible college, uh, had heard a guy that probably none of you have ever heard of, Mark Buntain, and him and his wife, Halda, went to India, and, and I mean, literally legendary in their mission endeavors. But my dad remembers him preaching and would quote it uh, to, to me often. And Mark Buntain said this, I don't ever remember praying for a whole hour straight, but I also don't remember ever going an hour without praying. Could God send revival? For sure. And it's not wrong to pray for. But maybe his answer back to us today is, yeah, revival fire, sure. I've already given you the coals. Now you fan it into flame with prayer. Let me ask you a question. Are you caring for the coals of your heart? Are you making sure that the fire never goes out? Are you closer to Jesus in 2023 than you were in 2020? Second Timothy 1.6, for this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of hands. So let's look quickly now at the next verses in verse 6. I'll invite the worship team to come on back. What if we do fan the flame, uh, the gift of God, what happens if we do that? What happens if we fan our calling into, into flame? What happens if we have that relationship and we understand that we have a ministry in everyday life? I love this next part that Paul says in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. It says this, For the spirit God gave us does not make us timid. Come on. How many people need more courage? But it gives us power in love and self-discipline. So don't be ashamed of the testimony of the Lord or, or me, his prisoner. Rather, join with me in the suffering for the gospel by the power of God. He has saved us and called us to a holy life. Not because of anything we've done, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time, but has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who I love this, who has destroyed death and has brought us life. We just celebrated that. And immortality to light through the gospel. And of this gospel, I was appointed a herald, an apostle, and a teacher. It's why I'm suffering as I am. This is no cause for shame. I love this. Because I know whom I believed in. And I'm convinced that he is able to guard what I've entrusted to him until that day. Come on, that's amazing. When you begin to fan into flame the gift of God over your life, these things start to take place. These things start to happen. But let me ask you a question. What happens if we don't? What happens if we only half-heartedly fan that into flame? What happens if we only partially do that? Without, you know, continuously fanning to flame that gift, that grace, that calling on our lives, our relationship with Jesus. Are we timid? Do we become powerless? Do we become not loving? Do we become undisciplined, ashamed of the testimony of Christ? Hey, 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 let's commit not to find out. Can we do that? Can we just say tonight, let's commit not to find out because we tonight are going to fan into flame that gift of God. 
So let me leave you with one more verse that kind of summar, that summarizes tonight and for us. It's Romans chapter 12, verses 11 and 12. It says this, Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor. That word fervor means keep it at a boil. It's supposed to be hot. It's supposed to be burning. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. And I love this. Be joyful in hope, patient in infliction, and faithful in prayer. The call tonight's real simple, friends. We are to fan into flame that gift of God over our lives, but it starts in a place of prayer. It starts in a place of prayer. And I felt like the Lord say to me tonight that, that there is a responsibility that we have, honestly, to fan into flame this gift of God over our lives. But I also felt, how many people know that God is good? And I just, I just felt, he's like, Paul, I just want to breathe and get this fire going. When God breathes, it's always life. Did you know that? When God breathes, follow through the scriptures, only a couple times that God breathed, and, th- and those two times, it both times life came, spirit came, to fan into flame that gift of God over your life. Don't leave here tonight without your faith in a boil. Don't leave here tonight without a passion for the things that God has called you. Don't leave here tonight without a burden for those around you. Don't leave here tonight thinking that you are not called, that you don't have a ministry or a message In a moment, we're going to open up the altars, and it's going to be a place of prayer. We're going to turn this into a a time of us seeking the Lord and that he'd breathe his breath of life over you. And you know this, that whenever you ask for more of God, it always means less of you. And some of you may need to do some business with the Lord. Maybe you're walking in a life that... you lifestyle that you know you shouldn't be in. Maybe, maybe tonight is about repentance. Maybe tonight is about confession and coming back to the Lord. Maybe you've never actually made a decision to follow Jesus. And tonight is your night. Tonight is your night to, to experience the miracle of Easter, the miracle of Jesus, the death and resurrection. That is still happening to, this is still happening now. I've heard stories of so many churches, just even tonight, of people who met Jesus for the first time yesterday. Did you know that he is still meeting people and still bringing dead hearts back to life? Come on. And tonight could be your night. And he wants to do this. He wants to bring your faith to a boil. He wants to, you know, breathe over your life and to have that on fire faith. So I'm going to invite you to stand. You've been sitting for a bit. Thanks so much for listening. And just with your heads bowed, One of the most important things we can do in moments like this is to allow God to search our hearts. Solomon gave actually the greatest wisdom that we are to guard our hearts. And it's really important. Proverbs 4.23 says, Above all else, guard your heart, for it determines the course of your life. But prior to that, David said, Search me, O God, and test me, and see if there's any anxious thoughts in me. 
So if you feel comfortable right now, just go with your eyes closed and just say, God, maybe for the very first time, you're just inviting him into your life and you're saying, Jesus, come into my life. Forgive me of my sin. Restore me. I accept you not only as Lord and Savior. Maybe you need to do that. Maybe you need to rededicate your life tonight. Maybe this is a, this is a night of rededication. This is a, a night of repurposing. This is a night of, of redirection where you're headed one direction, but you just feel like, no, no, tonight is the night that I need to turn this around. So let him search your heart just for a few more moments. And I'm going to ask for a response and then I'm going to ask you to be courageous and come to the front just as a, just as a statement. I'm, I'm leaving where I was and I'm moving on. I'm moving forward. I'm pressing in. I'm not leaving until I meet with him. God, search our hearts right now. Holy Spirit, every single, every single person in this room, God, we know is called. So now search their hearts. Search their hearts, God. And I don't know everyone in the room, and so I want to give you an opportunity. If you've never made that decision to follow Jesus before, this is your moment. And I'd love to pray with you at the end and, 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 and love to connect you with the church that you came with. And if you're not connected with the church, we can connect you with some people to help you in your faith journey. But if, that, if that's you here tonight where you just said, I've never made that decision. Maybe I've come to church. I've sat through these gatherings, but I've never made the decision to say yes to Jesus. And maybe there's no one here, but maybe there's, maybe there's some. And so if that's you, just lift up your hand. Look my way. People in this room right now are praying for you. Is there anybody here that would say, yeah, I just, I just, have, I just need to make that decision tonight. Thank you very much. Is there anybody else? Thank you. So courageous. It's the best decision you've ever made. You can put your hand down. Thanks. Maybe you're here and you're just like, I've, I, I, I've drifted. I knew God once. I don't know him now. And I want to come back. If that's you, just lift up your hand. I've drifted away. I've fallen away. I, I, I just thank you so much. Be honest. This is, a, this is a safe place for you to be honest. Is there anyone else? I'm, I'm looking on the left, looking across the middle, over on the right. Anyone else? Thank you. Yeah, I see your hand. I'm going to include you in a prayer in a moment. Maybe you're here tonight, though, and you're just like, yeah, I know the Lord. But, man, I, there are areas in my life that, that, that are dry. Whatever the metaphor you want to use, they're dry or it's cold. I, I, don't, I don't have that same passion that I had for Jesus. And tonight, tonight is a night that you will mark the moment. You will mark the moment and say, this is the night that I'm just, I'm just going all in. And maybe you're saying, I'm going all in again. I've done this before. I don't care how many times you have to keep coming back. You don't always get it right. Lord knows I haven't. I've spent so many times coming to the altar. God, I'm doing this time. I'm doing it. And he helps. And every time I move closer to him, every time, there's always a moment and there's always things that he changes in me. And if that's you just saying, I just need to be on fire again. I need my passion. I need that. If that's you, just lift up your hand right now. Thank you. Just be honest. Yep. Thank you. The Lord sees it. Thank you. 
you feel comfortable, just put both hands in the air right now and just get in receiving posture. So God, I pray for those, maybe for the first time that are saying, the two that put up their hand and said yes to you for the very first time. God, I pray that you would do what you've done for, for, for thousands of years, God is restored people's lives. I thank you, God, that you're doing that right now, that dead hearts are coming to life in you. Dead hearts through the forgiveness of sin that we just celebrated this weekend. God, we pray for those two that put up their hand. For others that said, I'm rededicating, I'm coming back. God, I pray that they would be able to fulfill the choice they have made tonight. And for those, God, that are saying, right now, I just need more passion. Right now, I want to come back. I want to do those things I did at first. I want to I encounter you like I used to encounter you. I want to know you like I used to know you. God, I pray for courage now to take that step of faith and say, yeah, tonight is the night. I'm not going to allow passivity or apathy to drive my life anymore. I understand that I have a purpose that's greater than me, and I need God's help. I need the spirit empowerment. And so whatever you put up your hand for tonight, I'm going to invite you now just quickly, as the worship team uh, leads us in a song, if you just want to come and find a place, here at the altar and we would just love to pray with you and speak blessing over you so if that's you don't wait for your neighbors don't wait for your friends this is the moment for you and God come chase after him right now don't wait for others and let's seek the Lord together and if you decide to stay in your seat no problem let's just turn this into a prayer room can we do that can we do that Thanks for listening to the Lake Mount Young Adults Podcast. For more information, please visit us at lakemount.ca or follow us on Instagram at lakemountya. Have an amazing week and we hope to see you soon.